0: Hi everyone, Siobhan Chapman here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend Review and Preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's conversation primarily focuses on fixed income markets and CIO's overall market outlook. Joining me for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back both Frank Salejo and Barry McElinden, fixed income strategists for the UBS Chief Investment Office. Frankenberry, thank you for having us.
1: Thanks. Great to be here. Happy Friday, everybody. Hi, everyone.
0: Perfect. So let's get started. Can you recap some of the notable events of the past week?
1: Sure. I'll get started and then maybe uh, turn it over to Barry. Uh, Siobhan, this week uh, was definitely a better and more calm week for investors, particularly after last week's volatility. Markets last week were whipsawed by somewhat conflicting labor market reports Uh, that began on Thursday, last Thursday, the ADP private payrolls report showed a gain of nearly 500,000 jobs in June, and that was twice as high as expected. And that led to some concerns about wage pressures and even more Fed rate hikes. And of course, that contributed to a surge in the two-year treasury yield to an intraday peak of 5.11 percent on that two-year treasury yield on Thursday, that was the highest level on that two-year treasury yield since 2008, although it did close below five percent later that day. Uh, but the next day, last Friday, uh, some of those concerns were mitigated by the U.S. Labor Department report that showed a gain of 209 thousand jobs, which was below expectations. As a matter of fact, it was the first time that the monthly jobs report uh, posted gains that were below expectations. For 14 consecutive months, that data had come in uh, higher than expected. Consensus was calling for a gain of 230,000 jobs, but the actual number was 209. Uh, Additionally, that 209,000 job gain was the smallest increase in two and a half years, and it was accompanied by uh, revisions, downward revisions to prior data. So overall, that did suggest some sought after cooling in the labor market. However, on the other hand, the average hourly earnings from that report were above expectations. So with these mixed signals from the labor market interest rates surged last week. In addition to the two-year, we saw the 10-year Treasury yield rising above 4% last week, ending the week at 407. That was the highest close since October, and that contributed to a 1.2% decline in the S&P 500 for the week last week. So overall, a very volatile week last week, and all of that relates to the market's continued focus on when will the Fed end its rate hiking campaign. And the burning question for the past year and a half really has been, will we get a hard landing or will we get a soft landing? And all of this hinges on inflation trends. That's why investors in the markets are focused on the labor market to see if there's a contribution to inflation trends coming from the job market. But we did get some more uh, direct Data this week on inflation. And we got some more positive news on that front this week after the somewhat mixed signals from the labor market. And Barry, I'll turn it over to you for that part of the story.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So this week we had key data releases of uh, the consumer price index as well as the producer price index. And I think both confirmed this uh, disinflationary trend uh, is intact. You know, on the consumer price index headline. CPI fell to 3% in June. That was the lowest reading since March of 2021. And, of course, we were at a a cycle high of 9.1% a year ago. Uh, We did have some favorable base effects related to the surge in energy prices last year. That uh, was a source of uh, the reprieve uh, for this latest reading. But core inflation as well uh, fell to 4.8% from 5.3% in May. It was up only 16 basis points month over month, and that was the smallest increase since February of 2021. So uh, the market was encouraged um, by kind of below the surface uh, elements of CPI, and even if you dig a little deeper into super core measures, uh, look to be going in the the right direction. A similar story with the producer price index, where we did have core. PPI running at a rate of 2.6% year over year. That was down from 2.8% in the month prior. Um, Also, this week was a reading from the Fed's Beige Book, and that gets released usually a couple of weeks before um, Fed meetings that take place, you know, like later this month. That showed anecdotal evidence from the various Fed regions, and the wording in the latest release was, was indeed softer in terms of you know, some of the growth and inflationary pressures that have been present in prior versions of the Fed's uh, base book. So, you know, that should be reassuring uh, for the Fed uh, in terms of that, that release. But,
3: you know, overall,
2: uh, yes, you know, we do have another Fed meeting later this month where, you know, CIO does view it likely that we will see a rate hike take place as the market expects. But potentially, based on where the these data releases have to come in, we might witness uh, a more neutral, less hawkish uh, message, you know, from the Fed and Chair uh, Powell. Uh, certainly, if uh, if data stays like it has been, it kind of raises the chances that the July hike, you know, may in fact uh, be the last for the cycle.
0: Thank you both for that update. So, Barry, how have fixed income markets been performing, generally speaking, and also in the areas that each of you focus on specifically?
2: Now I'll start I'll focus on investment grade corporates. So the index of investment grade corporates for the first half of this year, it was up three point two percent. Now, interesting though, based on the rate volatility that Frank talked about, you know as of just a week ago, after the first week in July, that year-to-date return had dropped to one point nine percent because of that rise in rates. However, as of yesterday's close, so just another week later, we're back up to four point eight percent. So we have seen some interest rate volatility definitely affecting the performance of fixed income assets. However, um what's been more dependable this year, uh, more than we've witnessed, you know, in over a decade, has been the coupon element. So the yield that investors can get in fixed income now for investor grade corporates remains over five percent. It's about five and a half percent. And, you know, that's the real advantage that we see in the asset class. You know, these types of yield levels have not been attainable since really 2009, but but more of the um, range that we witnessed, let's say, in the first decade of the 2000s, you know, before the the global financial crisis. And when you have yields this high, um, it still makes us comfortable in terms of the future return prospects of the asset class, even though credit spreads themselves. Are are not um, really factoring in much in the term in terms of you know economic weakness. Spreads are about the 38th percentile uh, that they've been at over the past 10 years, so below average, um, you know tighter levels of spreads. But again, it's that yield that should help buffer returns going forward, even if we do see credit spreads widen out a bit. You know if we do see some. Um, you know, higher for longer effects of the Fed's uh, rate hiking campaign, you know, take hold and, you know, cause, let's say, another market jolt. Uh, I think that high level of yield uh, that we see in, in IG and really across the curve uh, is a positive attribute, again, to help uh, provide a cushion for potential ri- any rises in credit spreads that we that we witness.
1: And, and from my perspective, uh, with respect to preferred stocks and, and the preferred securities sector, somewhat of a similar story as Barry, uh, outlined there for investment grade corporates. Preferreds have had a nice rebound this week, uh, after last week's rate driven pullback. So we've basically taken a round trip for the month of July and we're now uh, somewhat flat month-to-date, maybe marginally positive, again, similar to the IG performance that uh, uh, Barry just outlined. On a year-to-date basis, preferreds are up by about 3%, but the sector is down 4% since the end of February. So, we still haven't fully recovered from the regional banking turmoil that we saw in March and early May. Of course, trends in the banking sector can have uh, a direct impact on preferreds then so many preferred stocks are uh, issued by banks. So we're, we're seeing that uh, the sector has not fully recovered from that regional banking turmoil earlier in the year. And so that lack of full recovery uh, really has led to better valuations. And that's part of the rationale Behind our more favorable view on the sector, again, similar to investment grade corporate bond, we recently upgraded preferreds to a most preferred view. So we're most preferred on preferreds and with our more favorable rate outlook, you know, we do think that we've uh, likely seen the peak in interest rates uh, for the cycle. We've likely seen the peak in treasury rates. So against that backdrop, current valuations provide attractive entry points with the potential for impressive 12-month returns from here. And, Siobhan, I also would like to highlight for our listeners here that this week I published the monthly update, the latest monthly update to the preferred top picks report and the top picks lists, And uh, that report in those lists will provide specific investment ideas from the preferred security space.
0: Thank you so much for that update and letting our listeners know. So, Frank, as we look to next week, what is CIO's overall market outlook and what are some events to look forward to?
1: Yeah, well, after surging last week, it looks like interest rates are, are going to end this week lower, and that's been contributing to the rebound in fixed income sectors like preferred and investment grade corporates. Uh, looks like the 10-year treasury uh, is is below 30 uh, uh, 380 right now, we closed below 380 last night, uh, and we're about 378, 379 as we speak. Uh, meanwhile, the S&P 500 closed above 4,500 last night, and it's tracking uh, a gain of about 2.5% for the week. Um, overall, with inflation trends, uh, you know, they looked a bit more encouraging this week. That's still not enough to suggest an easing in monetary policy anytime. In fact, Fed officials continue to talk about the need for restrictive monetary policy to bring inflation lower. We've heard from a couple of uh, Fed officials even after the CPI inflation data come out and make that point. Um, we will get, as Barry said, Another Fed meeting, the FOMC, will have a, uh, another rate decision uh, uh, in a few weeks, July 26th. Our expectation is uh, that they will hike rates once again by 25 basis points. And the risk for the markets is that the longer the Fed needs to sustain rates at elevated levels, the more likely we are to get a more meaningful slowdown in the economy. And with it, you know, the potential risk of recession And frankly, that's just not being priced into stocks right now. When it comes to U.S. equity valuations, we look at the S&P 500, a soft landing is being fully priced in, but risks do remain that we don't necessarily achieve that soft landing, and those risks are not being priced in. So we continue at CIO to favor bonds over stocks, primarily because a high level of sustained interest rates poses a greater risk to stocks than to bonds actually. And as long as those interest rates are being sustained, they actually provide uh, a greater opportunity to earn a nice coupon in fixed income sectors. So uh, in terms of specific sectors, we do favor preferred securities and preferred stocks, as I mentioned, as well as investment grade corporate bonds, as Barry highlighted. We also have a positive view on US dollar denominated emerging market bonds, as well as dividend paying stocks.
2: Thanks, Frank. And and along the lines of, um, you know, what's being priced into risk assets, we're getting, uh, uh, the the onset of the second quarter earnings season just starting today, really, for, for the U.S. uh, companies. So, um, we'll be looking, you know, very closely if, if there's a confirmation from the earnings results and particularly the commentary on management about the forward outlook, uh, about the, you know, the prospects of uh, the economy and, and the potential, you know, for a soft landing, you know, from that bottom-up perspective, will be important as we digest uh, earnings. And I think overall, in terms of this earnings season, you know, going into it for um, U.S. Uh, S&P 500 companies, the market is expecting earnings to be down about seven to eight percent year-over-year for the second quarter. So if earnings do beat by their historical average of about four percent. They could be down, perhaps more like three uh, percent over the quarter. And, you know, in fixed income, we'll be paying also close attention to uh, to revenue growth uh, in the quarter. Um, you know, actual results and revenues do tend to come in better uh, by about one percent for revenues, but that again, that'll be important from the uh, from the fixed income kind of um, point of point perspective as well. And outside of earnings, um, we do have, of course, weekly economic data to look forward to. Probably nothing quite as significant as the inflation report or the or the jobs report that Frank touched upon. But next week we do get um, data on retail sales, industrial production, as well as capacity utilization. Um, so those will be inputs as far as how uh, growth is is tracking, you know, for the second quarter. Uh, which is currently tracking quite strong, you know, over 2%, according to the Atlanta Fed uh, GDP estimate. Uh, and also next week will be data on housing, the NAHB, uh, NAHB housing market index, uh, building till- till permits, housing starts, and existing home sales. And of course, um, you know, fundamentally, we've been uh, experiencing a bit of a shortage of housing. And um, with a strong labor market, we have seen strength in the housing uh, market. So look to see if that's in next week's numbers as well.
0: Perfect. Thank you both so much for joining me today.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you.
0: Of course. Again, today we have been joined by Frank Saleo and Barry Mcalinden, Senior Fixed Income Strategists Americas for the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us.